You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight's guests are going to ensure that we're all set for a fabulous Christmas. Only a few days to go now, so we're feeling very festive here in The Best Possible Taste. We're going to start off tonight with chef nutritionist Sid Sheehan. He's travelled from his cookery school nourished by nature in Listowel, County Kerry, and he's going to share some tips on how to avoid doing damage on the weighing scales over Christmas. Food and wine writer Leslie Williams will not have such tips when he's on the phone with some cocktail suggestions. Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley has a sausage meat recipe and advice on how to be prepared for this Friday. County Antrim chef Paul Shields from Cushendall's award-winning Upstairs at Joe's will be telling us what he does to help those less fortunate at Christmas. And finally, you'll have a chance to hear my chat with Santa Claus himself at his secret hideout in County Limerick. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to drop me an email s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. Now every month, chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan calls into the studio with healthy eating advice, which is probably needed more than ever at this time of the year. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sid, you're very welcome to the studio this evening. Thanks for having me in again, Sharon. It's only a few days until Christmas Day. I know. And you are our resident nutritionist. <laughs> and I suppose at this time of the year, like most people are going to overindulge. It's very, very difficult not to. Yeah, it's inevitable at this time of year. And as a nutritionist, what advice and tips do you have for us that we can enjoy ourselves, eat what we want, but not suffer the ill effects when we stand up onto the scales next week? Okay, I don't want to be the, the Grinch that spoiled <laughs> Christmas. Do you know, you can indulge a little bit, but obviously a little bit of common sense has to prevail and a little bit of discipline. So, do you know, moderation is, you know, the key factor here. You don't have to go out and just because it's Christmas, you don't have to get two trolley loads of shopping into the house because the shops are going to be closed for one day. And everybody does it. You know, you'll see people just buying two or three of everything just because it's Christmas. So you don't have to. You can spoil yourself a little bit, you know. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Stephen's Day maybe, and throw in the odd kind of hangover day here and there as well over Christmas. That's allowed. Um, but again, you don't have to spend the whole... Uh, the last two weeks in December, first week of January, kind of off the cards, just going wild. And then you're sitting there or you're standing looking at the scales, kind of come the 7th or 8th of January thinking, I actually managed to put on a stone and a half in three weeks. How did it happen? So, you know, treat yourself a little bit. But you don't have to get in five or six tins of biscuits. You don't have to get in five or six boxes of sweets into the house. You know, a little, like I said, a bit of discipline. Um, try and get in, make sure you get in plenty of fruit and veg into the house. It's something that people tend to omit when it comes to the Christmas shop. They only buy in the veg that's needed for Christmas Day dinner. They'll buy in lots of things like pâtés, um, lots of frozen kind of party food because it's handy to have there. And the amount of crisps and stuff like that that people go through over Christmas. I think every, do you know what? I'm guilty of it myself. Um, so I think everybody can relate to this. You said there about a lot of people, they stand up in the scales three weeks time and they have a stone and a half put on. Like it is very easy to do. From my own personal perspective, what I find is I'm nearly, I I must be kind of becoming addicted to all the sugar and the bad stuff in that small space of time just after those two or three days. And then it's nearly that I can't 
I can't live without it. Yeah, you do. Your body um, will become addicted very, very quickly. So if you're relatively good and if you have a relatively well-balanced diet throughout the year, even in a very short space of time like that, a week, two or three, two or three weeks over Christmas, and if you completely go off the rails and you have loads and loads of the bad fats and loads and loads of sugars, it is a huge shock to your system. So your body will adjust very quickly to that and it'll latch on to that, that your body likes this. Um, so then you're going to suffer huge withdrawal symptoms. Um, so you're going into that period in January, you know, you're kind of back to work, kids are back to school. It's hard enough at that to get back at that time of year to get back into some sort of a routine. And then when you're trying to kickstart healthy eating again. So that's why I'm telling people, don't go off the rails completely. Um, over the Christmas period and you will put the weight on an awful lot faster everybody I think can relate to this again that battles with weight whether it's two or three pounds you need to lose or if you've you know a couple of stone to lose you'll put it on without even noticing but try and shift the first couple of pounds it's really really difficult what happens to your blood sugar levels whenever this is something that we've you've talked about before here on the show but what actually happens to the blood sugar levels whenever your normal diet goes out the window okay so when you have let's just say you're going to be off work for maybe a week or two over christmas so your activity level is reduced straight away um you're not quite as stressed out maybe at work or your metabolism slows down that's basically what happens when you're nice and relaxed and you know there's a couple of glass of wine flown or whatever the case may be every evening over Christmas your metabolism slows down um, you're not burning off the food that you're consuming so that's basically what's happening your blood sugars um, we won't go into this in too much detail because it can be and like I said I don't give it the Grinch spoiled Christmas we can kind of look at it in January maybe but um, if you're consumer, consuming all these high sugar foods over Christmas and alcohol as well, remember that alcohol, it, these are empty calories. Um, so they are sugars going into your bloodstream. And when you say empty calories, they're not good. Cal- there's so, nothing good about them. Yeah. So they're calories that don't contain any goodness whatsoever. There's no nutritional value to them. There's wine in, in or there's grapes in, in wine. There is. Yeah. <laughs> so you can convince Clutching your, at straws. Yeah. You can convince yourself that a glass of wine is one of your five a day. Um, do you know, red wine, there are benefits to red wine, but again, in moderation. Um, a glass, a, a standard size glass, and most people won't have a standard size glass. So you'll find the biggest glass in the house and you'll try and convince yourself again that I only had the one glass. So if you're going to knock back a bottle of wine a night, then, you know, you're gone way over. Um, when it, Just getting back to the blood sugars, if you're consuming way too much sugar, there's too much sugar floating around in your bloodstream. Essentially, that is going to get stored as fat if you don't burn it off. So if you're not going out doing your daily walk or your daily hour in the gym or whatever the case may be, over the Christmas period, all this extra sugar will end up getting stored as fat and that's how it just sneaks on all of a sudden and you know you stand on the scales like we said. Okay. Well I think we might leave it there because it is only a few days before Christmas and I'm sure the, the listeners I don't want them all turning off no. now. So <laughs> I do appreciate you coming in to, to talk to us about that and you will return in January when I think the listeners will be more Receptive to I this, think so. this and type back of into conversation. Routine and yeah. then, you know, we can kind of start gradually getting people back on track and kind of looking at kind of getting the, the long term lifestyle change kind of geared up again for Perfect. the rest of the year. Great. OK, well, we will talk to you then. Until then, have a fantastic Christmas. And you too. And um, when you come back in in January, you'll have to tell me how many pounds you've put on. <laughs> I sure will. <laughs> Thanks again. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. 
Great advice there from Sid, but it sure is a difficult time of the year and we aren't making it any easier for you tonight with upcoming guest, Ken Mare foodie, Karen Coakley, who has a sausage meat recipe to share and Karen will also have great advice on how to be prepared for Friday. Also still to come, County Antrim chef Paul Shields from Cushendall's award-winning Upstairs at Joe's will be telling us what he does to help those less fortunate at Christmas. And finally, you'll have a chance to hear my chat whenever I got the opportunity to meet Santa Claus himself at his secret hideout in County Limerick. Next, however, we're going to indulge ourselves a little with some cocktail magic with food and wine writer Leslie Williams. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Good evening, Leslie. Only a few days to go to Christmas now, so um, we've still a bit of time to get a few last minute items in and you're going to be very useful in this department whenever it comes to Christmas cocktails. Well, this is what I'm, I'm suggesting I might be able to some use, but um, one of the cocktails I think are one of those things that, that people should, which should just, just stay fairly close to home. Don't go mad buying 20 new ingredients that you're never going to use again. You know, don't bother with the banana liqueurs and, the, uh, and so on. But there's a few things I think that everyone should have in the house. First thing I think you definitely need is a bottle of Angostura bitters. Bitters are, a, well, they're kind of an alcoholic preparations, we should call it, with, made from botanicals of some sort that are quite bitter in flavor, sort of sour or bittersweet. So Angostura is the, the absolute classic. And this is something that you kind of add a dash or two into a cocktail if you've gone a little bit too sweet with, uh, with the other flavorings. So obviously whiskey, vodka, gin, you probably will have. But there's one thing you might not have, and I was going to suggest an orange liqueur such as Grand Marnier. A little bit more expensive, but it is the best by far. Cointreau is the cheaper alternative. And both of those will work, or triple sec, which is, which is what um, basically those two, two uh, drinks are. And those are liqueurs or drinks that you can use in your cooking at other times of the year as well. Exactly. Um, I mean, the bottle of Grand Marnier is incredibly useful. I use it, um, there was various things I use it in. Crepe Suzette is the obvious one, where you make some pancakes and then fold them in little triangles and then flame the pan with um, a little bit of uh, cognac traditionally and then finally some Grand Marnier and let's reduce that down and, uh, and it's delicious. And if I'm making orange ice cream, which is it's really a simple vanilla ice cream with some orange peel and some reduced orange juice, I always throw a dash of Grand Marnier in and it adds a lovely um, orange rich kick to, to the flavour. That sounds lovely and I like to put it in a little bit of, of fruit salad. Yeah, I guess it would be it absolutely up. lovely like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's just one of those great things that we forget about. Now, it isn't hugely cheap in, in Ireland in supermarkets and stuff and in off licenses. It is in, in the 40s often. Um, but it is one of those things you sometimes will see at, on deals at Christmas and you'll sometimes see it, um, especially in um, duty free, for example, anyone passing through the airports um, in France and that, you can often pick up Grand Marnier really cheaply or in the supermarket in France, in fact, as well. You know, If you're not drinking, again, I... I tend to keep it fairly simple. Um, I make elderflower uh, cordial every year, but you can buy a really good brand. Thankfully now there's a good brand called Richmond, R-I-C-H-M-O-U-N-T, and you should find that in any decent um, uh, kind of gourmet shop, if you will, if, you, if, if there's something like that. Uh, is Ivan's is gone now, I think. Is it there on the corner in in, in Limerick. In Limerick, it's back again. It's back again. Okay, it well, is, the, yeah. that'd be the kind of place I would su- suggest that would probably stock it. Um, but it's, it's, if you Google it online, it's fairly easy to find. It's made in, in Longford, um, initially just from the trees on their own farm, but they've now planted an elder orchard and they've, um, and it's, it's, they've got a, an endless supply of this and it's been going very well for them. It won a food right, Irish Food Writers Guild Award there just a, a year ago. And, uh, um, and if you ever want to make it yourself, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait until May. But I can give you my quick recipe for it, which also serves as a lemonade if you do not serve, if you do not add in the 
the elderflowers. So, uh, and this, is, this couldn't be easier. It's 3332. Okay. My, my aunt's recipe from uh, Yall in County Cork, the Auntie Beryl, um, and um, it's uh, three pints of water, juice and rind of three lemons, and two ounces of citric acid, and three pounds of sugar. So three pounds of sugar, three pints of water, three lemons, juice and rind, um, heat up the, the liquid until the sugar is dissolved, um, and more or less, and add in the citric acid, and that's more or less it. Let it cool. It's a dilutable lemon lemonade, basically. It's incredibly easy. Just explain and to people what citric acid is. So citric acid is vitamin C and is available in any um, chemist shop. So um, certainly the bigger chemist shops, such as say Boots or the bigger chain, should have it. It usually comes in a little white tub with an orange um, sticker on it. Um, and uh, not, not every chemist will have it, but it is one of those things that um, is used in brewing, for example. And in, so it, it is the kind of thing that they're, these shops are stocking because people who are preserving and stuff um, will, will often come in and look for it. Um, but certainly the bigger supermarket, bigger um, chemists should have it. Um, and it's, 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 it's easy to make. It's very, very easy to make. It's also citric acid is also used to clean bottle steriliser, baby bottle steriliser. There you go. It's a while since yeah. I had to do that, but yeah. uh, I think that is... So exciting. I'd say I have some of that lurking <laughs> in the cupboard somewhere from, from that job from a number of years ago. And you can eat it, like people think, oh, acid, but it's, you know, it's something you can dip your finger in and it's got a lovely fresh taste, so it's actually very, very nice, you know. Yeah, I interviewed Joanna Blytheman a number oh, yeah. of months ago, and of course she had her book, Swallow This, and she is all about what goes into different foods and this was something that I had raised with her about citric acid being in foods because I automatically assumed that it was something very bad. Exactly, you probably would have done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's another discussion for another yes, day. exactly, exactly. So um, now, after dinner, right, when on a Sunday night, um, one of the things that I do is I go over to the um, cupboard and I look at the big cocktail book that's beside me. I'll give two names, actually, of cocktail books that people are thinking. If you go into your average bookshop, um, there's all these 1001 cocktails and, you know, generally no-name ones produced by cheapy publishing houses, not, and, and they're probably all fine. But I do think it's actually worth spending money and getting one by someone with a bit of authority. And there are two names I'd give you. One is Michael Jackson, easy to remember, uh, sadly dead now, but he wrote a number of good cocktail books, and there's usually one of his on the shelf, and I would go with him over any of the other sort of names you've not heard of. And the other name I would go with is Simon Different, and uh, he's, he's a whole range of books out now. Um, they're pretty, and they're usually well-organized and very clean and easy to understand. Um, like the last one I bought had a lot of he only used certain brands, which bothered me slightly, but I think they helped pay for it, so I suppose we're forgiven that. But in terms of recipes, he's kind of the, the standard guy at the moment. Uh, Michael Jackson, sadly, is no longer with us. He was a beer and um, whiskey and spirits writer, Michael Jackson, and, uh, and he wrote a number of definitive cocktail books. Um, but those books are great, and you probably should have one, but again, they often call for unusual ingredients. You know, just you probably have whiskey in the house. As I said, you've probably got Grand Marnier, you've got bitters. If you put in a, one measure of... of whiskey and not your best whiskey you know your less expensive one ideally bourbon if you have it but if you don't just regular um bushmills white label or jemison will work so one measure of whiskey half a measure of an orange liqueur such as grand marnier or cointreau and then a dash of bitters and over ice and it's just a very easy simple drink to drink um and it's not unlike an old-fashioned uh, it's not unlike an old-fashioned. Old-fashioned is a little bit more complicated, but, but again, it's fairly, fairly simple. Can I just talk very quickly about tonics as well? Tonics is one of those things that everyone is going to be hearing about. Can I ask you, before you go on you to that, is, Sorry, Jack on is Jack Daniels a bourbon? 
Not strictly speaking, because okay. it doesn't come from Kentucky, it comes from Tennessee, but it is effectively a bourbon. It's, it's made in the exact same way. Okay. Um, but I think, um, yeah, and it is called, it's a Tennessee bourbon as opposed to a Kentucky bourbon. So yeah, it is a bourbon, but it's, we, we, we categorise it slightly separately because it's from Tennessee. Okay, well we'll talk about tonics now, and I had some tonic water in a glass of wine recently and was surprised at how nice it was. It, it's lovely, and tonic is just one of those things you should have in the house. Um, white port is um, something that people sometimes get given or find or end up buying, not really sure what to do. Then it's a very pleasant drink, just served on ice and or just served chilled. With a, you can use it as a not quite a dessert wine because it's not quite sweet enough, but more as an aperitif. But what they do in Portugal is they throw in some ice, maybe a sprig of mint if they have it in the garden. Mint should still be available, um, and then some lemon, mint, ice, and then top it up with tonic, and you've got this lovely sweet sour bittersweet, refreshing drink. Um, I did it for my wine class last night and they weren't sure and um, they loved it and asked for more. Um, but I was going to say just about the tonic is Schreps is the classic and um, all you know, gins will all work quite well with Schreps, but you need to be aware that there's now some other really good brands of tonic out there and it's something that people might have missed. If you're in the branches of your local supermarkets or even good off-licenses, you'll see Fentiman's is a really good one and Fever Tree. Fever Tree is the, the one that is capturing everyone's yeah. imagination. Love it, yeah. yeah. With, with the short cross gin from the yeah, north. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So short cross in Belfast is great. If you want to support someone from the Republic of Ireland, I would go with Dingle or Blackwater, uh, both of them which are really, really good. And they're different in character. I mean, short cross is lovely, lovely spicy character to it, but I actually am drinking a bit more Blackwater at the moment. But then the Mammy's from Capaquin. Okay. That's the, uh, that's the hometown of that. Oh, and can I just mention one other one? At the Whiskey Awards this year in the gin section, we all turned and looked at each other when the name was given as the winner, the, the championship winner was uh, Thin Gin, a brand new gin from Waterford. And it literally hadn't even hit the shelves when it won the award. It was their first batch went straight to the, uh, to the competition and, and won first place. And the two gold medals given were Dingle and Blackwater. I'm not sure Shortcross entered, so I, don't think I, I, won't, I won't include them. But, but as you say, Shortcross is excellent. Well, I think you've given lots of ideas there, Leslie. I know in our house, we like to offer somebody something different from what they normally drink. But if they still want their normal gin and tonic, that's fine. I think it's important not to force it on to somebody because it's not everybody's cup of tea having a cocktail but it is very important to offer the non-alcoholic option and I actually have the elderflower cordial at home there there's a lovely lady near where where I live in in West Limerick and her name is Eileen O'Sullivan from Black Hill Farm and she makes lots of different things, but elderflower cordial is one of hers, so I have it to Isn't take it? up I don't, to I don't know about her, I must seek her out. Because, and there is, there's a lot, you will find small production ones. Just the only one that I can, I can think of that is actually sort of national and sort of making it on a large scale and is available all year round is, is, is the other one I said. Um, can I just give you one last little thing? A lot of people get given bottles of Prosecco, and not everyone likes Prosecco. It's a little light, it's a little sweet for some people. But if you, you can jazz it up by putting in... Um, Pope strawberries. Now, I know strawberries are not exactly seasonal, um, but the uh, Bellini cocktail, which is for pulped um, white peaches, is, is your absolute classic from Venice. White peaches aren't available now either. People often use maybe a bit of peach schnapps or something. But the Rossini cocktail, which is my favorite version of it, is where you mix in pulped strawberries. And you can sometimes pick up cheap strawberries at this time of year. They're not really good enough to eat, but they're certainly good enough to pulp and throw into a bit of Prosecco. Um, and you could also similarly do that with a bit of tonic or something, and that would give you a, a, a cocktail with a bit of stirring and a bit of, uh, a bit of elbow grease into it as well. So do you put that into the glass first and then add the Prosecco, and do you yeah, stir it, or do you just let it sit at the bottom of the well, glass? No, you, you, should, you should put the, 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 
always put the, the more viscous liquid in first and then put the, the lighter liquid in. So the, the, the more viscous is the, the strawberry, so put that in first and then um, the Prosecco. And yeah, you may need to give it a little stir just to keep it. It depends on how finely you've pulped it. Um, but uh, um, it, it, just, it shouldn't really need stirring. If it's, if you, if it, and the half and half is about right. But just sometimes if it's left sit, obviously the, 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 the denser liquid can sink. But, but the, the fizz if, should keep it going. Just on the Prosecco as well, but be, people should be aware that, that, that they'll see some Prosecco's for a tenner and some for 20, and they'll wonder why. Um, this, this Frizzante Prosecco is priced at the same price as regular wine, and Spumante Prosecco is pr- start priced at the same price as, um, the same tax level as champagne, so to double the price. Um, and it's just one of these anomalies in our system in that we um, tax people for putting bubbles in their drink. Um, and so the, the lower fizz, cheaper um, Prosecco, the Frizzante, isn't very fizzy and may not work as well for, um, for sparkling cocktails like that. And I have one other quick question for you before you go, because we're, we're running out of time sure. here. And that is, we've talked about sherry earlier on in the yeah. year. Should the sherry be in the fridge? Oh, I like it in the fridge. I mean, not everyone does. I mean, ideally, your better dry sherries and stuff will probably be better at about 10 degrees rather than fridge temperature. But, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, I've just been away, and it's very common in, in I was in South America, lucky me, um, and um, the wine is regularly served, the red wine and everything is served cold and they see no problem with that it's the same in Spain um, don't be afraid to chill down the red wine this idea of room temperature room temperature comes from a time when the rooms were about 16, 18 degrees which is the same temperature you should be serving wine at you should ne- certainly never be serving red wine at, at, or sherry in my view at 22 degrees and I would definitely chill down something like Harvey's Bristol Cream if that's what you have and you want to use up it just needs that bit of cold and to take off the sweet edge to it um, but it is probably bad to put dry Amontilladas and dry Olorosas if you've, if you've been adventurous enough to buy those. Uh, and by the way, all the supermarkets have really good deals in those at the moment, especially the, the chains from the UK and Germany and stuff. Um, you'll, they're best served at about 10 degrees. A little cool, but not very cold. Fantastic. Leslie, lovely to talk to you. Have a fantastic Christmas and we will catch up in the new year. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and if you've just joined us on the show tonight, before the break, food and wine writer Leslie Williams had some lovely cocktail recipes for us. And before Leslie, chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan had great advice about how not to break your skills post-Christmas. If you're just tuning in and you've missed some of the show and you want to catch up on it, it'll be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week along with all the previous shows and you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show and you can also subscribe to it and download it free of charge through iTunes and the podcast app on your iPhone or iPad. And still to come tonight, County Antrim chef Paul Shields from Cushendall's award-winning Upstairs at Joe's will be telling us what he does to help those less fortunate at Christmas. And towards the end of the show, we'll have a chance to hear my chat with Santa Claus at his secret hideout in County Limerick. Next, though, it's recipe time with Ken Mayor foodie Karen Coakley. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Karen, only a few days until Christmas now, and I suspect you're a very well-prepared lady. Of course, very well-prepared, Sharon, and very excited, actually. I just think this year we're up to 90 in our house because 
my oldest two boys are back home. One of them was in China for a year, two years ago, and you know he's finished college, so he's back and run up to Christmas, living at home for a while. And then the other guy, he took a year out. Uh, Due to go to college next September. So it's just, we're all here and it's just fabulous. It's wonderful. My favourite time of the year. How many will be sitting down for dinner in the Coakley household? There will be eight of us. The six of us and my mum and dad. Lovely. So a nice family gathering. A nice family gathering. And like that, I just try to keep the whole thing simple because for me, Christmas is about, and I suppose it's the ultimate kind of, everybody says it, but I really, it's about the family and it's about being together. And it's about, you know, the children being happy and, I guess my family is split and not split, but like with two different levels that there's a 22 year old and a 17 year old and then twins are eight. And I guess it's vision of hindsight. I can see how quickly time goes and they grow up. So I'm very much aware of the older two are getting ready to go off. The younger two are still there. So I guess I'm just going to treasure every moment while I can. It's great advice now for a lot of people that maybe they kind of get a bit overwhelmed by it all and and forget what it is really all about. It's not about... As long as Santa Claus comes, as long as you're all together and as long as there's a turkey of some sort in the oven and crackers to pull, it'll all be fine. And you have a sausage meat recipe for us tonight. It is a stuffing, but you don't actually stuff your turkey. I don't stuff the birds, no. Um, I cook I cook it separately and to be honest this is my mother-in-law's recipe I growing up I never had sausage meat stuffing but in the Coakley household they always did and if I was to not have sausage meat stuffing now I would be divorced and I would be abandoned by my children <laughs> in love it. yeah there's always a few dishes now I think in each family that they really look forward to even though they, they probably do have them on other days of the year but they must be there in the plate on Christmas Day yeah and the funny thing is I'm not really allowed to cook this apart from Christmas Day. I think last year I did it maybe in November and I did it um, back the end of November now this year and I said, well, I'll do it again before Christmas and it was like, no, 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 it has to be special for Christmas Day. So that's nice. So it is nice and it's all about making memories really, you know. Talk us so, through what goes into it. Well, basically, um, there's it's very simple. There's What I love is there's sherry in it and like sherry to me is a real Christmas flavour. So you have 30 grams of butter four rashes of streaky bacon chopped and de-rinded, one medium onion. So what you'll do is you'll heat your pan, you'll sweat off your onion in the melted butter, add in your bacon until it's nice and crispy, and then you'll throw in your sherry and let that reduce down till it's nice, almost dry in the pan, but you don't want it to dry out. So you'll take that off the heat and you let that cool down. And then you put your sausage meat. I buy, if I can't get a really good sausage meat, I'll buy good quality sausages and you can squeeze them out of the skin, no problem. So it's uh, about eight ounces of sausage meat. Now, for me, I will make three times this recipe to keep my gang going. And do you just have it on Christmas Day or would you have leftovers then to be used up? We have a Christmas Day dinner. It'll be in the sandwiches on Christmas night with the turkey and the cranberry sauce. And it'll be hopefully some left over again for, for St. Stephen's Day. But at that stage, they'll be killing each other for us. OK. It'll be begging who's going to have the last of it. So anyway, so you sweat it off your onions and you're taking them off the heat to let them cool and your sausage meat into your, your bowl or whatever, but you grease the bowl first of all. Put your sausage meat in and there's three tablespoons of chopped parsley, one tablespoon of chopped thyme. What I think is gorgeous and really gives it a lift, there's the grated zest and juice of half a lemon. So you can imagine that now with the sherry and the herbs and everything. It's just absolutely beautiful. Use your sausage meat. There is four ounces of breadcrumbs, a medium egg and salt and pepper. So when you've all of that mixed up, you've let the onion cool, you've put it on top of the sausage meat, mixed it up and put it into the oven. Um, It's 170 degrees for about 30 minutes. 
take it out and then kind of like stir it, mix it all around. And what I like at that stage is you're going to have like, as my gang say, the little burnty bits. You're going to have crispy pieces around the bottom that are starting to go like nice and brown and crispy and crusty. So mix those through and it's just, do you know what I mean? Then you're going to have another piece that will go crispy when you put it back in for the next 30 minutes. It's just, it's just my crowd love crispy bits. So, um, so basically that's it. Do you make that in advance or is that made on Christmas Day? No, what I do is I make it in advance. Um, today now is Tuesday, so tomorrow I plan to get that started, maybe tomorrow morning, and put it in the, well, actually it'll be okay for the next, no, I'll put it in the freezer, take it out Christmas Eve, pop it in the morning Christmas, pop it in the oven Christmas morning. Normally I'm more organised, I'll have it made at the beginning of December. So something for people to bear in mind for next year that you can actually do these things. I'm a devil for getting everything done in advance because that way then, if I'm not stressed, they're not stressed and it's just everybody's happier. You don't want to spend, my thing is, you don't want to spend Christmas morning in the kitchen, sweating over the oven, ending up grumpy, ending up cross, you know, um, because that can happen. I mean, it's a huge pressure. Getting Christmas dinner on the table is a huge pressure especially if you have people coming in. I mean, friends of mine could have 14, 16 people, you know, and we're not, it's a big deal to cook for that many people. I know, and you're so, trying to keep them topped up with drinks and everything, uh, you know, uh, everybody uh, needs their jobs to do. They do need a job to do, delegate, definitely. But as well, remember, it's your day too, you know. And so I have my red cabbage in the freezer. I mean, there's still enough time to get red cabbage cooked tomorrow, Wednesday, you know, or get it cooked on Christmas Eve. Get as much prep done as you can beforehand. I will always do mashed carrot and parsnip because like that, you can make that in advance. You can stick it in the freezer. You can even make it on Christmas Eve and reheat it. It'll be absolutely perfect. And people say to me, you actually freeze it? And I'm like, yes, but any of my friends then who have done it have come back to me and said it works perfectly. Another great tip, Brenda Costigan, years ago on the radio, she was talking about Christmas and she was advising... Christmas Eve, what you do is you parboil your potatoes, and this is a lifesaver. So parboil your potatoes, get some melted butter. When they're parboiled, take them off the heat and put them back in the pan, give them a good shake, and just let them in the pan for a few minutes, and then they'll go nice and fluffy on the outside. So what you do then is you dip them into the melted butter. When they're still hot? Are they still hot? When they're still hot. Yeah, okay. When they're still hot, dip them in the melted butter. Hot or cold, I don't think it matters, actually, but I would be doing it hot. So into the melted butter... And then if you have your oven tray or your roasting pan that you're going to cook them in the following day, you know, I have a nice one with low sides, so I'll put them into that. Cover them with greaseproof paper, line them all up. The next morning when you have a turkey or the next day, Christmas Day, when you have a turkey out of the oven, turn your oven up high for your plates because you need to have your oven really hot for your roasties. So up to maybe 220, 200, 220. And then sprinkle with salt and pepper and into the oven and off you go. So you're not Christmas morning. There's nothing worse than peeling potatoes and carrots on Christmas oh God, morning. Like I don't think, does anybody do that? Anybody that does that is pure crazy. Do you know, they I must know have that done the day before. I know a few people who do. Oh my Lord. Who do the whole thing from start to finish on Christmas morning. And I'm kind of like, how can you just, uh, there's no fun in that. But you are, you're basically bringing your turkey out to rest and then you're putting the roast potatoes I'm in. putting in my roast potatoes. The other thing is my turkey. I most we overcook turkeys as a nation. We overcook turkeys. I followed Lena Allen's recipe for turkey. It's in you know the Balmain cookbook. The big, I have it for years. The big grey one. It's my bible. But it's 
we overcook it. So really, look up Tarina's recipe, see what she says, and go with that one, and you will not have an overcooked turkey, and keep basting it. Another thing that she says is to cover it with muslin, you know, dip the muslin into melted butter and put that over the turkey, and that will kind of like self-baste it. Well, it sounds like you're going to have a veritable feast on Friday, Karen. So enjoy that. Have a lovely Christmas. Thanks for all your contributions throughout the year. It's very much appreciated. And And happy Christmas, Sharon, to you too. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. And we'll talk to you in 2016. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Ken Mayor Foodie, Karen Coakley, shared her sausage meat recipe and had tips on how to be prepared for this Friday so you can relax and enjoy it and get the most from it. And earlier in the programme, food and wine writer Leslie Williams had some lovely cocktail recipes for us. And before Leslie, chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan had great advice about how not to get an awful fright when you step up on your scales post-Christmas. You can listen to all of those interviews again when tonight's show in its entirety goes up on the Best Possible Taste podcast, which is on soundcloud.com. And the show will be posted there later in the week or alternatively subscribe to it free of charge and downloaded at no cost on iTunes or through the podcast app on your iPhone or iPad. Now we're moving on to a more sombre note. We've talked tonight in detail about food and drink as we always do on the show. However, not everyone out there has a great Christmas to look forward to and many might not even get to enjoy a nice dinner on Friday. One person that strives to help those less fortunate is Chef Paul Shields of Cushendall Cookery School and the restaurant upstairs at Joe's in Cushendall, County Antrim. And Paul is on the phone now to tell us a bit more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Paul, you're very good to take the call this evening. You are involved in a very kind and generous project at this time of the year where you come into work on Christmas Eve when you you should really be off and along with your three sons, you cook up to 100 Christmas dinners. Yeah, that's right, yeah. started a few years ago where we uh, started in uh, with 60, 60 lunches for those just so they live on their own or else they're just uh, less fortunate than ourselves and uh, it's up to 100 now, so this. And it's a full Christmas dinner that you put together and it's completely free of charge. Yeah, it's uh, the usual turkey and ham with all the trimmings and mash and cocktail sausages and veg and stuff. So obviously all free. Like. And this is for people and families in the Cushendall area. And Cushendall, it's quite a small village for people that don't know it. It's a small village on the North Antrim coast there in County Antrim. I think the population is around 1,500. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, it's for Cushendall and for Waterford, Donath and as far as Cargan and Martinstein, you know, and maybe even Cushion Dunn, we've been at Cushion Dunn. It's just really a spread out area. And sadly, it is the reality today that there are individuals and there are families out there who could be sitting this year with no Christmas dinner. Yeah, it's, it's scary like to think that, uh, not that people can't afford it, but other people that are on their own and just don't want to cook Christmas lunch, you know, it's just uh, they're on their own, what's the point? So, at least they get a wee Christmas lunch and it's getting part of the Christmas spirit, you know. And this all came about because a few years ago the St Vincent de Paul approached you asking you to support them in a fundraiser by giving vouchers, for example, for your restaurant yeah. upstairs at Joe's, which is is in Cushendall. It is, yeah. Um, we usually get people coming out asking for a voucher for uh, raffles and stuff. 
but uh, St Vincent de Paul asked me to do uh, a raffle, like a meal for two, in the restaurant, and and I discovered while doing this that the the amount of people that were going without Christmas lunch staggering, really. So a hundred people are going to be delighted on Christmas Eve this year. Whenever it's not yeah. yourselves that deliver them, then you you have other volunteers that help to deliver them to distribute them amongst the community. And yeah. there, I'm sure there's other companies that support you there. Yeah, we've got uh, well, we've got a local councillor, Margaret Ann McKillop, uh, herself, and St Vincent de Paul. They distribute it, and plus we'll have Breaks. That's our local food supplier here at the Breaks Ireland, actually. Uh, they've donated the turkey and ham portions. They've, they've been doing that for the past three years as well. But we're grateful for their help. Well, fair play to you, Paul. It's definitely something that people should think about and be aware of this Christmas, that although many of us and most of us are fortunate enough to be sitting down on Christmas Day with our families to enjoy a lovely dinner, that is yeah. not the case. And sometimes it it can be people not that far away from us. Uh, it's scary. Uh, the first year we were delivering it, it was 16 and we were actually going round. It was actually my son, or my son, uh, Caelan. And he was delivering down uh, a house and there was no decorations, no carpet on the, on the floor of the stairs. No, no, as if there's no Christmas Day at all happening. And it's just really heartbreaking to see, you know, and especially kids in the house, you know. So at least we got them maybe some sort of Christmas uh, turkey lunch. Absolutely. Well, it's it's very admirable and um, we wish you and your family all the very best this Christmas and thanks so much no for problem. your generosity. No problem, Sean. Thank you very much. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Thanks again to Paul and to the many organisations and their supporters who do so much at this time of year to alleviate the struggle that it can be to many. It's hard to follow an interview of that nature. But I want to finish tonight with a happy theme. Who else could provide that but Santa Claus himself? Newcastle West Lions Club bring him to the West Limerick town every December and this year they organised for me to meet him at his secret hideout. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. It's a desperate day out there, but I am extremely excited because I am on my way to see Santa Claus. He has agreed to give me an exclusive interview. He's obviously very busy because it's the run-up to Christmas. There's only a few days left now for him and the elves to get everything organised. But he said, yep, come on out to this secret location in County Limerick and he would talk to me and answer whatever questions I have for him. So I'm on my way there now. The rain is lashing down. It's absolutely miserable. I'd say he wishes he was back in the North Pole. Wouldn't be so wet and windy there. Travelling down this teeny tiny road, it's very overgrown, and I'm just looking for the marker that I've been given. Can't tell you what it is. I think this is the right location now. Fingers crossed. Just pull in here. Hello, Hello, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I'm Very Sharon nice. Noonan. How are you? Very nice. To meet. Santa, thanks so much for having me here in your secret hideout in County Limerick. 
it's a bit strange for me to see you out of your Santa suit, but I, I suppose I should say that you're in a lovely red jumper today, so you are still looking very festive. You're here at home with Mrs. Claus. You have a lovely fire burning. Tell me, is she a good cook? She is an excellent cook. And what sort of dinners does she cook for you? What's your favourite dinner? My favourite dinner of all is bacon and cabbage for the main course with rice for dessert. Rice pudding? Rice pudding. And do you like a little bit of cream in it or some fruit? Ice cream. I don't like cream, but ice cream is okay. A little bit of jam. That sounds delicious. That kind of stuff, yeah. And tell me, on Christmas Eve then, is that what you would eat before you would set off out on your epic journey around the world? That it is. That's what I would what I would have on Christmas Eve before I head for Newcastle West and Ratkeel and Abbey Field, Fines, Askeaton, all the towns around this area and um, all the little boys and girls are very good. They're going to bed early, going to sleep. And waking up early on Christmas morning to show Mammy and Daddy their toys. Not too early, Santa. Well, Mammy and Daddy are waiting to see them too. I'm sure the Mammies and Daddies love to see the toys now on on Christmas Day, but not too early, Santa. And they must have a good breakfast before they start eating all the sweets and chocolate. So I think they should be having a nice big bowl of porridge first. Okay, I would agree with that. Now, there might be some leftovers from you because you love the boys and girls to leave you you out a little bit of a snack. And tell me, what's your favourite snack? Beans on toast. Beans on toast. Is my favourite snack. And do you get those in lots of houses that you come to? I do, but I just take a small bit and move on again. What is the most unusual snack you've come across in all your time delivering? Oh, that's a difficult one now. It would depend where I am in the world. Every country has its own little favourites. So I think it's important to try everything. Just try a little bit of everything. And I wouldn't pick any one thing out as most unusual. Just try everything and you'll find something you like. And that's great advice to children, isn't it? That they should always give something a try. And if they don't like it, then that's fine. But they should taste everything that their mummies and daddies and aunties and uncles and grandparents put in front of them. Yes, especially fruit and vegetables, carrots and parsnips and oranges, apples, pears, all those. Try them. If you were in France, for example, they'd hardly leave you beans and toast in France, would they? No. In France and in Italy as well, um, the, the snack would be some cheese and crackers. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And in Spain, a bit of tapas. Oh, so you get a little bit of everything Just then in Spain. a little bit of everything, yeah. And New Zealand, the other side of the world completely, pavlova. Oh, because that would be their traditional dessert, wouldn't yes. it? Yes. That must be a lovely treat for oh, you. Oh, that is correct. That you, is a beautiful sweet. You must be full up to the brim by the time you're you're finished your rounds. I am full up, but I just small bit everywhere I go. Have you ever arrived at a house and found mummy and daddy eating your snack? Not really. The mummies and daddies leave a little snack for me and they go away. They go to bed themselves, so when I come, they're gone too. Sounds like they're very good at setting a good example for their children. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Some children might try to stay up late because they they want to meet you or they might pretend they're asleep, but they're not really asleep. Yeah. But you always know if they're asleep I or not. I always know and I might not leave presents. If they're awake and they stay awake 
and they want to see me, I might pass by. I might go into their brother's or sister's room and leave the presence, and I might leave their, their room with no presence. So they must go to sleep. And the presence, like that's a huge load for all the reindeers to carry there in the sleigh. So they must get very tired and they must need something to eat as well to energise them. Yes, they do. But we, we, Santa and his reindeers are like magic. We bring toys for all the children of the world and they never complain and then they trot along. And we, we never, we never, I never have to use the whip. I carry a big whip but I never have to use it. And um, they like a little snack as well. While I'm, while I'm having my beans on toast, they would chew on a carrot or something like that, maybe a little bit of hay. And Rudolph's nose would be nice and red from the cold, if it's a cold night, and so would the other reindeers. You are looking extremely trim. How do you manage to keep so fit and healthy whenever you have all those snacks to eat on Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve is special. But during the year, I eat healthy and I take plenty of exercise, get outdoors, walking, cycling, a bit of swimming, and it all helps. It's most important and to eat healthy food and for the children as well as the mammies and daddies. The daddies must clean the chimneys so that I don't get my nice red suit dirty. Because oh, I don't think Mrs. Claus would like that, having to wash it Yeah, that's Day. right. That's right. But I don't want them going up on the roof. Because that's dangerous. They clean the chimney from inside, shove a brush up and put down sheets on the floor and on the furniture so that the mammies aren't cross. And we never asked you what you like to drink whenever you arrive at the house. Well, I think the nicest thing to leave out for Santi is a cup of tea. How do you take your tea? Do you take milk and sugar? I do. I take one sugar. Too much sugar is not good and just a drop of milk. On Christmas Day then, you and the elves and Mrs Claus, do you all sit down and have a nice big Christmas dinner? We or? relax. Everything is done. All the little children have their presents got. The mammies and daddies are fine and content and happy and it's all over for another year. Santa, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me here in your secret hideout in County Limerick. Just remind the children now what they have to do on Christmas Eve. Okay, Sharon. Now all the little boys and girls have to go to bed early and go to sleep. You're excited because Santa is coming, but go to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, nice and early, call Mammy and Daddy, wake them. They might, they might pretend to be cross, but they won't really be. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be on your old front door A pair of hop-along boots and a pistol that shoots Is the wish of Barney and Ben Dawes that'll talk and will go for a walk Is the hope of Janice and Jen And Mom and Dad can hardly wait for school to start again It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas 
Talking to Santa was the perfect ending to the final show of 2015. Thanks so much, Santa, and to Sid Sheehan, Leslie Williams, Karen Coakley and Paul Shields for being guests this evening. Next week, you can enjoy a second helpings programme with a chance to hear some interviews which we aired when the transmitter was down recently. So you might have missed those if you were listening through the traditional format that is the wireless. A final reminder that the Best Possible Taste podcast is online at SoundCloud dot com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show and it can also be subscribed to and downloaded free of charge on your iphone and ipad and if you don't have one of those you never know santa might be good to you i'll be back in january 2016 all being well with an all new show for you so until then my sincerest and deepest thanks for tuning in during 2015 and especially to loyal listener peg nash in newcastle west county limerick Peg, your regular messages are always a joy to receive and they're very much appreciated. Have a wonderful Christmas, everyone. And when I sit down to my dinner on Friday, I'll be thinking of you all and I'll be saying to those around my table, Bon Appetit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!